Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host Greg Schutz. This is episode 15 of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL's draft set to begin in April in Las Vegas, Nevada. And you'll probably see that we haven't released a podcast in about a month. And unfortunately, I lost my mother, Nancy Schutz, to cancer uh, early January and really just haven't had a chance to put out any content. But going forward, that's something that I want to make sure that I, that I bring to everyone. Football and the draft, one of my passions, and that's one of the things that I think my mom definitely shared with me. She enjoyed uh, my mock draft. She enjoyed being able to listen to the podcast as well. So from here on out, my shows are going to be dedicated to my mom. And if I could really quickly just share a, a few thoughts and memories for uh, about my mom. Uh, she was somebody who I think everybody across anyone that's ever met my mom, they, you always knew where you stood with Nancy. She always spoke her mind. She wasn't afraid to tell you exactly how it was. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I remember my mom had a police scanner and she always told people, you know, I just want to know what's going on in the neighborhood. But I think we all knew that my mom was really checking up on all of us. Um, and, you know, it's funny though, at the same time, she had the biggest heart. She looked at our house and said, you know what, this is going to be kind of the meeting place for all of our friends, whether they were staying the night, uh, having epic video game battles overnight, uh, to, you know, whether it was sporting events, to, hey, this is just where we're all going to meet before we go out. My mom always wanted to make sure that happened. She always kept the fridge stocked with soda and always kept the, the snack drawer filled with anything from Nutter Butters to all things Hostess, Little Debbie, you name it. They were filled and everyone just loved coming over, got a chance to, to talk with, with Nancy. She always shared uh, something with everybody, uh, all of our friends, and I think that's why you know it, it was so nice to hear from so many people um, you know, that my mom, just not only our friends, you know, who, who's, you know, they, they, they touched, but just people that are co-workers, because my mom never forgot a birthday. Every holiday, we ended up with a, with a card, whether it was St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you name it, we ended up with a card from my mom. And the thing with my mom, too, was she knew the names of even the, the, the cashier at Starbucks or the checker at the grocery store and not only that she knew about their family she knew about their kids their spouses what they were doing doctors too and she would tell me about you know this this is my doctor and, and I know about their kids um, you know and then they, they she'd been married for for 30 years and I'm just thinking about this and how many people can say that they know that about their doctors or the, the checker there at, at Starbucks not too many people, I, I can honestly say, really check in on people quite like that. But that was my mom. She just, she really cared about people. She wanted to, um, you know, not only make them feel important, but she always thought of everyone else first. You know, and didn't, you know, kind of thought about herself last. And, and that's one of the things that's been so special was being able to hear from so many people and talk about the impact that my mom has made on their life. And, uh, you know, so from here on out, these podcasts are for you, Mom. So, heavy heart, but we're going to go ahead and make the transition into college football and uh, the draft. 
And ultimately what we're going to be talking about here is my first mock draft. I finally put one together, released it right after the Senior Bowl. And there's a lot to, to really pick up and, and get to know in terms of what happened at the Senior Bowl. I think when you look at things, you talk about the quarterback position first and foremost. And we know that Matt Corral was the, the one top quarterback who was not able to showcase his talents at the Senior Bowl. So that really gave a chance for guys like Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter to really elevate their stock. And what we saw was Malik Willis kind of separate himself in terms of the athleticism, the arm strength. And that was, those were things, the velocity on the football, very effortless with, with all of that. But I think when it came to some of the decision-making, some of the ball placement, especially in the Senior Bowl, you know, there are some question marks that are still there in his game. Kenny Pickett, there were talk, there's talk about his, his smaller hands and that that causes problems in, in poor weather and, and fumbling the football. There were some struggles there, especially in the rain in Mobile. But really where Kenny Pickett shined, you know, this guy's a born leader. He's cool as a cucumber in the pocket. He reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow in that way. And, you know, the, I think the anticipation, the, the ball placement, doesn't have quite as big an arm as Malik Willis, but I think he's a guy to me that's going to continue to rise up draft boards as teams get to meet with Kenny Pickett. And then there's Matt Corral, the gunslinger. You know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be right there. We're just going to have to wait until the, until, uh, the combine to really get to see what Matt Corral's been up to, uh, really working on his... Uh, you know, ball placement, decision making, uh, accuracy to all three levels. Um, I thought Desmond Ritter up and down there at the Senior Bowl, uh, which is to be expected with him, just that inconsistent uh, accuracy. You saw the arm strength, you see the, the raw talent, his ability, but he's just one of those guys to where you don't know which Desmond Ritter is going to show up. And then there's Sam Howell, a guy who has a tremendous deep ball. The touch, the arm strength, it's evident. But on those short to intermediate throws, and a lot of those throws that are going outside the numbers, and a lot of those timing routes, Sam Howell will struggle, and we saw a lot of that there at the Senior Bowl. And then one other guy to throw in there is Carson Strong. I thought the mobility at the Senior Bowl much improved, something that you weren't really expecting. He looked more like a statue there at Nevada, but there's more mobility there than to work with than what was really expected. But here's another guy who I think you know struggled at times with, with consistency. And I think you know there's a little bit of a ways away for him. So I think you know you're looking at more of a second round grade um, for Carson Strong and Desmond Ritter and uh, Sam Howell really at this point. So really when you're talking about quarterbacks, where are they gonna go in the draft? You know, we don't have a surefire number one quarterback. We also don't have a group where we can say that we're going to have five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks like we did last season. But what we do have, Malik Willis, I think it's interesting. Carolina sitting there at number six. Matt Rule needs to do something there. Really needs to get things going. I think he's really fallen out of favor there with the fan base. He's got to get something going. Take a hit after, after Malik Willis. I think they still need to go offensive line, but we'll see what happens there in Carolina, especially considering Sam Darnold has that contract for one more season. Um, but Malik Willis, I think Minnesota's another intriguing team. I think that's a, an organization that could very well move on from Kirk Cousins, really start things over at that quarterback position, allow him to go in there as well. Um, when you look at Kenny Pickett, Denver's really intriguing for me with Kenny Pickett. But here's the thing, Denver's also uh, supposed to be targeting some of the veterans, whether it's Russell Wilson uh, or 
even uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially, especially with Nathaniel Hackett having that relationship in Green Bay. Be interesting to see what happens there. If nothing happens, if they don't go after that veteran, then I think Kenny Pickett is the pick there for Denver. But right now, I don't have him mocked there because I just think something's going to happen at that level. So then you're talking about Matt, well, to back up, Kenny Pickett, I think Detroit really screams to me because you have Jared Goff. He can act like Jimmy Garoppolo did for Trey Lance. And ultimately, Kenny Pickett goes in there. Dan Campbell needs to make a splash at the quarterback position. You get a guy who has some of that swagger, kind of like Joe Burrow has in the form of Kenny Pickett. I think the Lions, you're sitting there at 32. You also have the 34th overall pick. Maybe package those two, move up in the draft to get Kenny Pickett. Keep an eye on the Lions there. I think that's going to be something that's really going to be interesting to say uh, going forward. And then Matt Corral. I think the Washington Commanders really makes a lot of sense for Matt Corral. I think that's an organization that's really a quarterback away from uh, really attacking that uh, NFC East. So I think that's a team to keep an eye out for. Also watch out for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New Orleans Saints. Two teams where quarterback really is at is is issue. Jameis Winston and, and Taysom Hill there in New Orleans. Jameis Winston coming off the ACL injury and also a free agent. Then you go to Pittsburgh, the end of the Big Ben era. They're going to need a quarterback, and I don't think that Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins are, are the long-term options there for the Steelers. So I think Matt Corral, even Kenny Pickett, could end up being the pick there in Pittsburgh. And I think both of those guys with those workmanlike approaches makes a lot of sense there. So starting things with the quarterbacks, but let's go ahead and jump into the mock draft and really kind of walk through things. And you'll kind of see how I'm kind of picturing this draft moving forward. So if you start at number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars just named a head coach, Doug Peterson. Could they go defense? Could they go offense? I think the question of both is obviously yes. And when you look at, at Josh Allen, Dewan Smoot coming off the edge, they need another pass rusher to really add their, allow Dewan Smoot to move into more of a reserve role. Josh Allen can be a superstar, but he needs help up front, and he's not really getting that from this unit. And the other thing, too, is they need somebody who's going to be able to play the run, be able to get outside when needed, and uh, be able to plug things up uh, up front. You know, you're going to have to have somebody who can not only pursue from the backside, but be able to set the red, set the edge when they're running at them. So when you look at both Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, they both fit the bill there. But you got to protect the asset. you got to protect Trevor Lawrence. You've got Doug Peterson coming in. Cam Robinson is going to command a lot of money in the offseason. Um, it's going to mean a much higher franchise tag than the $13.7 million last season. Robinson, I thought, underwhelming the first half of the year. Second half was much better. But you know, when he went down to injury, Walter Little showed some promise when he filled in on the left side. You add Evan Neal, you allow uh, Walker Little to move to, to the right side. And I, I think that's really where you're going to see the bookend tackles keeping uh, Trevor Lawrence upright. Let go ahead, let Cam Robinson walk in free agency. Bring in Evan Neal, 6'7", 340 pounds, a freakish athlete. Uses that length to his advantage. Um, you know, And a guy who does really, really well with his angles in his kick slide. But the thing with it is he's so light on his feet is that he's able to mirror defenders, able to pick up those secondary moves, excellent power, very violent hands, and uh, he can generate a lot of movement in the running game as well. I think that's got to be the pick there. Moving on to number two in Detroit. Look, Lions, they need to have an identity on both sides of the football. And if you're talking about defense, then I think you have to look at Aiden Hutchinson. Who better to bring more fire to that program 
than an in-state product. Aiden Hutchinson was born to play at Michigan, and he's a guy, you know, a guy who has that passion for the game. He's going to ignite, ignite that Detroit Lion fan base. And when you look at the group, you've got uh, Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, and uh, Austin Bryant combining to rack up 17 uh, of the 30 sacks. Only two teams finished ahead of the Lions in terms of sacks uh, a season ago. I'm sorry, uh, the Lions finished ahead of only two teams uh, a season ago. But no other player after the, that group of three finished the season with more than two sacks. And Harris is also a free agent. So it makes sense to go after the, the top pass rusher that's available. In this case, it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. Move on to Houston. Kayvon Thibodeau makes a ton of sense here. You know, it, And ultimately, if, if pass rushers go... In the top two, then I think it's going to be Evan Neal, although uh, I think Kyle uh, Hamilton would also be intriguing. Um, but what you look at is Texas finished tied with the Jags for 28th in the league with just 32 sacks. Only Jonathan Greenard uh, with, with eight sacks finished with more than, than four a season ago. So getting that consolation prize between Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau would be a huge win. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the more dynamic and explosive coming off the edge, I think, of the two. Um, but he's not as good against the run when it's actually run at him. I don't think he does a great job setting the edge, but he's excellent as a uh, pursuit um, defender against the run, especially coming back from the backside. When you look at the Jets sitting there at number four, I think adding that defensive-minded head coach, Robert Sala, a season ago, you were expecting to see what the Jets could do, but they were the worst against the run, finished 30th against the pass, managed a seven interceptions. I think they need to get the ultimate eraser on the back end of that defense, Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 218 pounds. Our safety is really worth the top five pick. You know, historically, only Sean Taylor has been drafted in the top five in the last 20 years, but a prospect, the caliber of Hamilton's caliber, you know, doesn't come along very often, and I think it makes a ton of sense because this is a guy who can play like a linebacker in the block, a bo- in the box against the run, has tremendous range over the top against the pass, and offers tremendous cover skills as well. I think it's a no-brainer there at number four. And then you move to number five, the Giants. I, I think this is a team. You know, you've got a new GM in there, Joe Schoen. Um, you know, new head coach as well. There's no secret the old line was desperate. Uh, is in desperate need of an overhaul. Only left tackle Andrew Thomas had a solid season. Expect there to be wholesale changes up front. And uh, when you look at, at this team, you know, Nate Solder, uh, his days in, in New York appear to be numbered. And Matt Parrott really struggling, was disappointing. And, and you know, late season ACL tear. You need to get another tackle. Enter Ikem Iki Ekwonu, 6'3", 6'4", 325 pounds. The junior is one of the most gifted offensive linemen in the draft. Someone who could even garner consideration for that top spot if Doug Peterson does, in fact, decide to go tackle. But you look at Ekwonu, he's a tone setter. Uh, 67 pack pancake and 18 knockdown blocks this past season. Uh, devastating at the point of attack with his power. Tremendous grip strength to lock on and not let go. Anchors well against the bull rush and moves well with that kick slide when he's not getting out to attack his man. I, I think... Ekwonu at left tackle. Andrew Thomas, he played right tackle at Georgia. Get him there to the other side, and I think you've instantly upgraded that offensive line on the outside. Going to number six, again, there's a good chance that we could see Malik Willis come off the board here, but when you look at 50 sacks in two of the last three seasons, Carolina's got to address that offensive line. Um, Only your right tackle, Taylor Moten, 
and, and Brady Christensen, the rookie, you know, saw time at both tackle and guard, looked to be starters in 2022. Now, Christensen, you know, he played left tackle, uh, put together some solid reps on the outside, but I think Matt Rule, because of that, that arm length, thinks that uh, Christensen is going to be kicking inside the guard. You add Charles Cross, who may be the most polished and most complete pass protector in this year's draft. I think you put him in there. He's a day one starter at the left side. You move Christensen inside, and I think that solidifies one side of the, that line of scrimmage already. So when you look at, at Cross, effortless technique in, in pass protection, quick feet, tremendous length, excellent leverage, gave up just two sacks, didn't allow a quarterback pressure in 2021 despite the high volume of pass reps in Mike Leach's air raid offense. I think it makes a lot of sense here with, with Cross if they don't go quarterback with Malik Willis, but I think with Sam Darnold there, I think all signs point towards going a tackle, at least right now. Giants second pick in round number one there at number seven, and I'm looking at a guy like George Karloftis out of Purdue. Um, you know, this is a guy, look, you know, Giants, they need to address both both lines and get a top-end offensive tackle at number five. Um, when you look at things up front, you got Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, they need help up front. Um, Aziz Ojulari, solid rookie campaign, led the team with eight sacks, but only he and Leonard Williams finished the season with more than five sacks. When you look at Car- uh, Karloftis, people want to talk about his arm length. It's less than ideal, I know. Uh, but what he makes up for that is, is with that burst off the ball, quick, powerful hands, and, and excellent strength at the position. Uh, Karloftis, you know, he was born in Greece. And when he comes in, I think he made a name for himself as a true freshman. Seven and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss. Injury cut short his 2020 season. But then he posted uh, 10 tackles and four and a half sacks as a junior. But look, those stats don't tell the story. Yes, he only got home to the quarterback four and a half times. When you look at it, this dude was in opposing backfields, causing problems for opposing quarterbacks. I think that pressure is something that the Giants desperately need. You move on to number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. And look, could they go quarterback here? I think you know Matt Ryan, they may stick out you know, for another season. They're, I've seen a lot of talk about a receiver potentially here. You're not really sure exactly what's going to happen with, with Calvin Ridley. So that, that definitely has, has the potential. You get a guy like, like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, a team with Kyle Pitts. I think it makes some sense, but come on. 2021 was the second time in the last three seasons, and the sixth, in the last 10 years where the Falcons finished in the bottom five in the league in sacks. Dante Fowler uh, is the only Falcon defender to get to the quarterback more than than twice. But now he's an unrestricted free agent and he may not even be back. You got to address the pass pass rush in free agency, but you also need to land one of the top pass rushers in this year's draft. And look, I know that Aiden Hutchinson received a lot of the hype there at Michigan, but his teammate David Ojabo, yeah, he's pretty good as well. Eye-popping traits while while racking up those 11 sacks and five forced fumbles in his first full season of action there with the Wolverines. So quick off the ball. Impressive Ben arrives at the quarterback in a hurry when he flattens out. And yes, I know that he's raw and he's not nearly effective against the run. When you look at him, uh, he reminds you a lot of Odafe Owe. And look, he was taken at the end of round number one, and you see him as one of the best pass rushers in the in uh, last year's draft. I, I think what you look at here is Ojabo. Look, this is a, a, a year where pass rushers are going to be at a premium. There are a lot of really good pass rushers in this draft. I think Atlanta needs to make sure that they don't 
come out of this draft without addressing a pass rusher in the first couple of rounds. And I think getting a guy like David Ojabo, look, I, I think the future is bright at the next level for this kid. And uh, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come off the board here at number eight. You move on to number nine, Denver Broncos. As I mentioned, I think you know I'm kind of banking on the fact that the Broncos are going to go after a, a veteran. And when I say that, you look at the Broncos. Since the AFL-NFL merger, they've only drafted four quarterbacks in, in the first round. Tommy Maddox, Jay Cutler, Tim Tebow, Paxton Lynch. How did those guys turn out for the Broncos? So I, I think without a standout quarterback at the top of the draft, um, I, I think Denver, they target Aaron Rodgers, they target Russell Wilson, maybe even Ryan Tannehill. And if that's the case, this number nine pick may go to somebody else. But with them sitting there and thinking that they're probably not going to go quarterback, um, you know, I think Kenny Pickett would make the most sense here for the Broncos. But I, I think they turn their attention to the inside linebacker position. I think Baron Browning has proven to be a keeper. But look, Josie Jewell, Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young, all free agents. You infuse some athleticism at the position. You get one of the most versatile defenders in the entire draft. Converted safety, Devin Lloyd, uh, flies downhill to play the run. Uh, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, bends well off the edge as a pass rusher where he'll occasionally even put his hand in the dirt. And because he's a safety, he has those skills to play uh, in space, not only against the run, but also against the pass. Keep an eye on Devin Lloyd and the Broncos. I think it could it could definitely happen. You look at number 10, the Jets with their number, number two pick in the draft. And uh, I, I think... Drake London out of USC makes a lot of sense. I, I think there's a chance, obviously, that at number four they could go offensive tackle like Ike McQuonu. And if they do that, I don't think Kyle Hamilton falls to them here at 10. I think Derek Stingley or uh, Sauce Gardner could potentially be the pick at number 10. But when you look at it with the receiver position, um, you know the team invested a lot of money on, on Corey Davis. And, uh, you know, he... He had an up-and-down season, battled some injuries. I think Elijah Moore looks to be a keeper, but look, those guys aren't a primary weapon. You got Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole, Braxton Berrios, all free agents. And I think Berrios, you know, his play down the stretch, he'll probably be brought back, but I don't know that you're going to see either Crowder or Cole back. Then there's Denzel Mims. What's going on there? Um, struggle to see any action maybe on his way out as well. Zach Wilson needs a true number one wideout. And you look at Drake London, the former basketball player, racked up 88 catches through just eight games, broke that ankle against uh, Arizona. And look, here's the thing with Drake London. People want to talk about you know speed or you know, there's only one thing that he can do. Look, all I know is that teams knew that Drake London was the USC offense. But... You know, I mean, he was getting double-digit targets, and yet they still couldn't slow him down. They couldn't stop the guy. London was the master of the contested catch because of that. Showing off those basketball skills, rebounding, uh, attacking the ball in the air, just an uncanny ability to do so. And then he knew how to, to make plays after the catch. Really physical as a runner after the catch as well. I think he comes in and becomes Zach Wilson's favorite target. Keep an eye out for... Uh, Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks here, but I think Drake London makes a lot of sense. Washington, I, I think this is where we could see Matt Corral. I think you know, the, if you're looking at quarterbacks and you're just saying, where's the best fit? I think Washington makes the most sense for Matt Corral, at least right now. But I'm also thinking 
that there, there's a chance that we could see Washington go elsewhere, especially if they end up addressing that quarterback position through free agency. Um, you know, there's Jimmy Garoppolo out there, uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Jameis Winston, Russell Wilson. You know, not not necessarily in free agency. They could acquire one of those guys through a trade. I think attacking that veteran could potentially be what Washington ends up deciding to do because they are just a quarterback away from really contending. So then you look at the secondary. You know, I think the front seven really kind of speaks for itself. When you look at the secondary, Kyle Fuller, William Jackson, solid seasons when they saw action, but they did struggle at times uh, with being able to stay on the football field. Benjamin St. Just, I think he showed some promise, but then battled a lot of those concussions. And so when you look at that secondary, they need to make sure that uh, they match the production of that front seven. And if Derek Stingley falls to them, I think that would be a, a, a huge development. And when you look at Stingley, you know, obviously he burst onto the scene as with dominant freshman season, freshman All-American, six interceptions, 15 pass breakups, the explosiveness, the fluidity, the ball skills just jumped off the tape. But his play in 2020 and 2021 didn't live up to the lofty expectations that he set in that, that freshman season. Battled an, an injury in his sophomore season, fractured foot, required surgery, derailed that junior season. I just don't know if we're going to see Derek Stingley return to that freshman form. That's what bothers me. That's why I think he may fall out of the top 10. If that's the case, I think Washington, it's worth the risk at this point for him falling there to number 11. Number 12, Minnesota Vikings. This could also be where we see Derek Stingley go if that quarterback is taken there with Washington at number 11. If not, then I think really that quarterback position was targeted. You look at Kirk Cousins, his days as the starter in Minnesota are numbered. I think what you look at there, when you have uh, Malik Willis, this makes a lot of sense to me. I think you bring him in, um, you know, especially if Kirk Cousins is around for another year. You do essentially what Trey, uh, Trey Lance got to do there, uh, filling you know, really behind uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think you can see that happen with Willis. And again, consistency with the accuracy. Uh, was definitely called into question. Decision-making at times. You saw the interceptions rise from 6 in 2020 to 12 this past season. But the arm strength, the mobility, absolutely there. Look, this dude is dynamic in the open field. 1,800 yards on the ground, 27 touchdowns in 23 games for the Liberty Flames. I, I think he could really take Minnesota into a new era. Uh, and I think that will be really exciting to watch if that does happen. Cleveland Browns, look, 2021... I think Baker Mayfield wants to forget it. You know, it was less than stellar, but a lot of that has to be attributed to that shoulder injury that required offseason surgery. I think Mayfield comes back for another season. But look, they've struggled to find any firepower. And now that Odell Beckham Jr. is gone, um, I, I think they need to find a go-to weapon who can stretch defenses. And I think Garrick Wilson out of Ohio State is the guy that can do that. Combines pure speed with smooth, effortless route running and body control that make him a top downfield threat. You know, you see the variety of releases at the line, creates that early separation, but he's also good at putting stress on the defender vertically, giving that, you know, at the stem, that hard fake to open up the defender's hips before making that quick plant, creating separation by driving away from the defensive back. I think Wilson, not only is he dynamic outside the numbers, he's also not afraid to go over the middle and attack the ball in the air. This gives Baker Mayfield an instant go-to weapon down the football field, allowing him to push the ball a little bit further. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, even if it's not Garrett Wilson, they've got to come out of the draft with a go-to wideout. Garrett Wilson, though, makes a lot of sense to me. 
when you look at the Baltimore Ravens sitting there at number 14, they got to go one and two positions. They either got to go with uh, somebody on the, the defensive line or uh, offense. And really, when you look at it, uh, the defensive front, Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell, free agents. Um, Calais Campbell may even retire. I think that group needs an overhaul. You throw in the fact that edge rushers, uh, Justin Houston and Pernell McPhee are also free agents. And the Ravens, you know that defense is gonna could look drastically different in 2022. Um, David Ojabo, if he's still on the board, I think it would be intriguing to pair him with his old high school teammate in Odafe Owe. Um, but I also think that uh, Georgia's Tra- uh, Trayvon Walker is going to get serious consideration, especially with the addition of Mike McDonald as a defensive coordinator there in Baltimore. Now, look, Walker not getting a ton of buzz right now, but if you just put on the film, you'll see a versatile lineman, combination of size, strength, and quickness coming off the ball. 6'5", 270 pounds, um, not only plays with, with power, and you'll see that bull rush. I mean, he drove Evan Neal into the backfield that really started turning some heads. But you also see just how fast he is, um, that lateral agility, getting to the perimeter in a hurry, also being able to set the edge against the run. I see him playing a role similar to what Aiden Hutchinson did for the Wolverines under Mike McDonald a season ago. If they don't go uh, with a defensive lineman, I said up front, and and you look at things, and um, Bradley Bozeman, the center, is a free agent. They could decide to take Patrick McCarry and move him inside to the center spot. That's really only happening if Juwan James is fully recovered from that torn Achilles. If that happens, then I think you see a, a play there for an offensive tackle, like Trevor Penning out of Northern Illinois or Northern Iowa. Excuse me. This is a guy who just is so physical that 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 nasty edge that he brings, he just feels like a Baltimore Ravens offensive tackle. You pair him up with Ronnie Stanley and you've got a couple of mean, nasty guys up front, allow uh, Lamar Jackson to do his thing, running the football. This is one of the best running deep, running offenses, but then you take a look at what uh, Trevor Penny can do as a pass protector, pretty light on his feet, and look, he's gonna get physical, he's gonna throw guys around, and uh, it just speaks to what Baltimore wants to do on, on offense. But if there's a chance that Bradley Bozeman, him leaving as that free agent, they're not able to move Macari inside, then what you're looking at is potentially Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, the Remington Award winner. I think there's a good chance that you could end up seeing Linderbaum move in there for the Ravens there at 14. But right now, I still got to roll with defense. I think you know Trayvon Walker makes a lot of sense. The Eagles have three of the next five picks. I mean, they've done a tremendous job stockpiling picks. They could use all three of these picks on defense. I think it absolutely happened. I've seen a lot of people talk, though, about them potentially taking a receiver. You know, after taking Devontae Smith a season ago, I don't know that that's necessarily the, the best decision, especially especially considering what what's happened with Jalen Rager and just his fall from grace ever since being that, that first-round pick. Remember, they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. I, I think when you look at, at the Eagles sitting at 15, they got the pick from Miami. I'm looking at Ahmad Sauce Gardner, 6'3", 200 pounds, the corner. Uh, makes a lot of sense. When you look at this, Darius Slay, another solid season. Avante Maddox, solid in the slot. But Steven Nelson, hit free agency. They need to target another corner. And you look at Gardner, press corner, likes to get his hands on his man early. Fluid hips to turn and run, stick like glue. 
but he, you know, excellent recognition with with the routes. A lot of times he'll run the routes better. Very savvy. You know, you'll see the a little bit of a jersey uh, pull, but not enough to really draw a flag. Just you know, those nuances of the position. He's already figured some of those things out that it takes guys in the NFL a few years to really master. And uh, you know, I, I think he also has uh, good ability in in off coverage. Uh, reading not only his man, but reading the quarterback's eyes and driving in a hurry, no wasted movement to make a play on the football, elite ball skills, uses that length and timing to attack the football in the air. I think that would make a great pick there for Philly at 15. 16, they got this pick from, from the Colts and the Carson Wentz deal. And I think there's a chance they could use it on a, a linebacker like N'Kobe Dean. Um, remember, they, they haven't used... A first round pick on a linebacker since they used the 21st pick in the 1979 draft to use it on UCLA's Jerry Robinson. Could be the year, it could happen, but I think ultimately what you're going to see here is a pass rusher. They've got to address the pass, the pass rush. They managed just 29 sacks a season ago, only bested uh, or bested only the Falcons in 2021. Now, Josh Sweat. Led the team seven and a half sacks. Only edge rusher with more than two sacks. Derek Barnett, dude, never lived up to that first round billing. He's gone. In my, you know, in my estimation, that he's got to be out of there. And so when you look at the first 15, 16 picks, there's a good chance we could see five edge rushers come off the board. But one name that I think has really picked up steam, and another guy to really consider now, is Jermaine Johnson, the second out of Florida State. Look, what he did at the Senior Bowl, he was the best player there throughout the week. Uh, transferred to Florida State from Georgia. Finally really was able to show off his entire skill set. 11 and a half sacks, explosive off the ball, quickly looks to shoot those hands inside, get that offensive tackle off balance, gets into the body of the blocker, punches violent, conversion of speed to power, allows him to collapse that pocket coming off the edge. Hand usage is tremendous. Uses a variety of moves to tack to really attack the offensive tackle's hands and then be able to get to the edge. Incredibly effective against the run. Shows that he can set the edge, but then also get back outside and track down uh, the ball carrier as well. Straight line speed, chasing ball carriers down from the backside as well. Also incredibly active. Second on the team in, sa- in tackles with 70. So the effort will be a definite breath of fresh air for Philly with that pass rush. You move on to 17 and the Chargers. You know, I, I think they do need to address that porous defense. I mean, the worst against the run. Jordan Davis, you know, it makes a lot of sense to get him in the middle of that defense. But when you're also looking at that offensive line, you've got to protect your asset in Justin Herbert. And look, Storm Storm Norton just struggled down the stretch on that right side. And look, they, they can't mess around anymore. They've got to go after an offensive tackle. And look, you know, Northern Iowa, you know, they, they produced a mammoth offensive tackle in Spencer Brown. Third round pick of the Bills in last season's draft. Been a pleasant surprise as a rookie. And look, it's a copycat league. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Akim Ekwonu going in the top five. You know, Rashawn Slater should have been taken in the top ten. And I think teams really fell on the fact that, you know what, he doesn't have ideal size. So he falls to 13. Come on. You know, let's really figure this one out. Spencer Brown, you're talking about, all right, inferior competition. He's big, he's athletic, but can he really make the transition? Come on. He proved that he could do it there with the Bills. Trevor Penning, 
needs to go in the first round. Makes a lot of sense here to me. You're looking at this guy. He's a physical freak. He's 6'7", 340 pounds, 385-pound uh, bench press, 625-pound squat. So he's got eye-popping numbers, much like Spencer Brown did when he came into the into the league. Spencer Brown ran that 4.9440 time. I think Trevor Penning is going to come close to that as well. Um, dude just dominates his man. Spectacular fashion, as I said earlier. I think you put Penning opposite Slater and uh, you know Justin Herbert. You know, gosh, when you've got those two guys blocking for you, you know, really if you can shore up the the interior of that that line, and already you have Corey Lindsley there at center. I think you know things are really looking bright there for that uh, Charger offense. Then you move to the Saints. Obviously, with Sean Payton's retirement, you know, obviously that was a shocker. We know what's happening there, but still, the question is, what's going on at quarterback? You look at Jameis Winston. You know, we mentioned that that he tore his ACL during the season. Now he's a free agent, and, and there's a ton of money tied up with Taysom Hill. Um, hasn't proven that he can be a viable option as a starter. So I, I think the Saints. They look at Kenny Pickett. They look at Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Sam Howell. Um, but I don't know that there's necessarily a receiver that they're going to pull the trigger on. I think they wait till round two, especially considering that wide receiver position needs attention. Offense, uh, you know, the, it was the worst passing attack in the in the league, and they struggled to find a receiver to step up in the absence of Michael Thomas, out for the season following that ankle surgery during the offseason a, a, a year ago. And so if Michael Thomas can't really return to form, then you need a guy who can step in as a number one. And if he is, does return to form, then you got Thomas and a guy like Traylon Burks sitting there really performing together. And I mean, that'd be a nice one-two combo there uh, for whoever's playing quarterback in New Orleans. Traylon Burks, look, one of the more proven, more versatile weapons a season ago. Rare combination of size, strength, and speed. Presents mismatches all over the field. I think that size. You know, he runs like a running back after the catch, which is insane. But 6'3", 225, uses that size to his advantage, rarely goes down on first contact, but also has that deceptive speed, allows him to get vertical on a consistent basis. You know, when you talk about the big receivers, you know, Drake London, big and physical, but Burks can stretch the defenses a little bit more. I think he's best known for those ball skills, attacking that ball when it's in the air. I think he's the best at just simply attacking that football. Um, he's not going to let anybody take that football away. I think that'd be a nice pickup there for the Saints there at 18. We move on to number 19. And, uh, you know, again, a chance that we could see Kobe Dean come off the board here. TJ Edwards, I think he got re-signed for another year. He's going to be playing in the middle, but I think ultimately Kobe Dean's going to end up playing outside backer. Depending on what happens with Alex Singleton, uh, Jannard Avery, what's going to happen there on the outside, there's a chance that Kobe Dean can end up being the pick here. But I'm actually going to go in a different direction. Brandon Brooks, the, uh, the guard, retired. And so you, you look at Jason Kelsey, he's also a free agent. He may also decide to hang it up as well, right? So Landon Dickerson lined up at left guard a season ago. You know, he can slide over to the pivot, take over for Jason Kelsey. But I think the better play is to keep Dickerson at guard and then use one of these three picks on the Remington Trophy winner. Tyler Linderbaum is an incredibly athletic center. He's worthy of a top 20 pick. I think he's the master of the reach block. Uh, also the ability to pull, get around to the second level in a hurry. Champion wrestler in high school, uses those skills. You know, the, the understanding of balance and leverage neutralizes defender. Once he latches on, he's not letting go. I think that'd be a great pickup there uh, for Jalen Hurts, that running game. And uh, he's also very proficient in pass protection as well. 
You look at 20, I mentioned the Big Ben era, or Big Ben era come to an end. 11th pick in the 2004 NFL Draft. Played all 18 seasons in the yellow and black. Super Bowl champion and fifth in NFL history in passing yards. First ballot Hall of Famer. How do you transition from that? Now, that's really the biggest question. I think Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, they both gotten their opportunity to audition for the starting spot. Neither appear suitable to be that long-term replacement, as I said earlier. I think... When you look at, you know, obviously that offensive line needs help as well. And I think that there are enough tackles. Somebody's going to fall to to the second round. And I, I think they'll still be able to address that offensive line position. I think they have to go quarterback. Matt Corral could potentially be sitting there. Kenny Pickett's another one. But I think when you look at Corral, like gunslinger mentality, but in his final season there with the Rebels, you not only saw him cut down on the interceptions, he also stepped up as his unquestioned leader there at Ole Miss. You know, the team really rallied around him. Uh, the team went really as as he did because he was the heart and soul of that uh, Ole Miss Rebel team. Accurate to all levels, arm strength to drive the football down the field, but also had the ball placement and accuracy to fit the ball into a tight window. Excelled on back shoulder throws as well. Um, I thought a lot of those slants um, to uh, Dontario uh, Drummond and, and Braylon Sanders and Jonathan Mingo right on the money, allowing his receivers to make plays after the catch. Also upped his game on the ground, showed elusiveness and toughness that I think would complement Najee Harris on the ground as well. And again, workman like approach, that blue collar approach, I think it'll fit in well with the Steel City as well. I think that'd be a great pickup there for the Steelers. At number 21, you've got the New England Patriots. And when you look at New England, First thing that jumps out is that secondary. It was torched by Josh Allen in the, in the wild card game in the postseason. After trading Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers, J.C. Jackson now is entering free agency. I, I think Andrew Booth uh, of Clemson, Trent McDuffie of Washington make a lot of sense here. However, um, you know, hitting on on second round pick Christian Barmore up front. I think Bill Belichick pulls the trigger on another physical freak up front in Jordan Davis. Uh, you know, look, Davis is, is the generic Lombardi Award winner. The rare combination of size, power, and quickness. Um, you know, I, I think not only did he use that size to take on multiple blockers and hold a point of attack, but he was virtually unblockable against both the pass and the run uh, when he really ha- had that, that full burst working with him. Uh, incredibly strong off the ball, exploding into that lineman and uh, driving him all the way back to the quarterback. But he also used those quick hands to get off block, off the off a block in front of him. And then show that impressive short area quickness to to wreak havoc in opposing backfields. And uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. If you thought you got by by Jordan Davis because you got to the perimeter, think again because there's Davis showing that speed to chase you down from behind. I think really the biggest concern that you have with Davis was that inability to stay on the field. Wasn't able to hold up against a hurry up offense. We saw that against Bam in the SEC championship. But if he can prove that he's improved his endurance then I think we could actually see Jordan Davis move up into the top 15. But I think sitting there at number 21, the Patriots, I think they'd be crazy not to get a guy. You know, he's going to remind him a lot of Vince Wilfork, and I think Jordan Davis actually provides a little bit more quickness coming off the ball than Vince Wilfork. So I think Bill Belichick will get himself a guy there in the middle of his defense. At number 22, you've got Josh McDaniels coming in there as head coach for the Raiders and inheriting the sixth-best passing offense in terms of yards. Uh, a motivated quarterback and Derek Carr, uh, and obviously a keeper in the slot receiver Hunter Renfro to go along with his top tight end Darren Waller. Not to mention a solid receiver and second-year pro 
Brian Edwards, but Zay Jones and Deshaun Jackson entering free agency. Raiders need a vertical threat. And you look at Chris Olave. Chris Olave, you know, when you see players that just they just seem to fit a, an NFL franchise, to me, Olave just feels like a Raider. You know, this is a guy who's a burner, can get down the field in the hurry. Um, Olave also smooth for that smooth route running. Uh, suddenness coming in and out of his breaks, body control, especially on the sideline. I think he's one of those legit deep threats that makes you uh, makes you miss in the open field as well that the Raiders have had throughout the years. Uh, 35 career touchdowns, proof that he's a big big play waiting to happen. I think it just makes a whole lot of sense to bring Chris uh, Olave there to Vegas. At number 23, the Cardinals. Cornerback depth, I think, is a massive concern. Uh, you've got Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, really the only corners to rely on since Robert uh, Alford is a pending free agent. I think when you bring in a guy like Roger McCreary, it makes a ton of sense here. You know, like Murphy, has experience on both the outside and in the slot. He's a sticky corner, fluid hips, can turn and run with his man, does a great job locating the ball to make a play on the football. If you watch him against Penn State, Ran stride for stride with Jahan Dotson. Showed a look and lean, really squeezing Dotson to the sideline. Uh, also great job in off coverage, good instincts, driving on the football, disrupting the catch point. Capable blitzer and as physical as a run defender. I think he'd be great there uh, for Arizona, especially having to deal with the passing attacks you know, that, that the Rams, the Niners uh, bring to the table. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense there. When you look at Dallas at 24, they can go in a lot of different directions, but obviously that offensive line has struggled to stay healthy as a unit. And now with Connor Williams entering free agency, after seeing him give up 15 and forced penalties a season ago, I think now's the time the Cowboys have to pull the trigger on a versatile lineman in round one. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M absolutely fits the bill. He may have spent time at both offensive tackle positions for the Aggies, but the true home for him is really going to be inside a guard. Take advantage of that power and the short area quickness. He's a mauler who's going to want to beat you up in the running game. I think that tremendous pop in his hands and leverage that's going to generate movement off the ball. Um, but I think his game has also pro- progressed as that pass protector. Lighter on his feet than you would expect. Takes really good angles to cut off pass rushers. Has that high football IQ, uh, which you really saw you know, him handling blitzes and stunts with ease, whether it was a tackle or a guard. Um, you look at him. He'll be an immediate starter on the inside, but he could also fill in in a pinch for Tyron Smith or Lyle Collins, both guys who you know have had some injury concerns. Um, and if that happens again, you know Green can also kick outside if you need him to. Twenty-five, the Bills. Look, they bolstered the defensive end position uh, a season ago, bringing in the likes of Gregory Rousseau and uh, Boogie Basham. Also landed Spencer Brown in, in round number three. I think there's a great chance that this year we're going to see the Bills look to bolster the interior of both lines. And when you look at it, I think De- Devontae Wyatt could very well be in play here. I know that they're probably out of range for Jordan Davis. Wyatt, one of the more athletic defensive tackles, showed his ability to shoot gaps, split double teams, not only disrupt the run, but also get after the quarterback. Um, I-, I think Zion Johnson would be a nice fit here as well. Uh, really shore up the interior of that offensive line. But ultimately, I think at least in round number one, with, with Tredavious White tearing his ACL on Thanksgiving Day, and then Levi Wallace uh, likely headed for a big payday, Buffalo needs to add another corner to the roster. And I'm looking at Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Uh, been one of the more consistent prospects at the position over the last couple of seasons. Uh, technique's pretty clean in man coverage. Does a good job reading the quarterback in the zone. 
Um, equally impressive against the run, showing the ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, can chase down ball carriers from behind, looking to make a play on the football when he arrives. Oh, and he's a great uh, open field tackler as well. Um, I think Greg McDuffie is a first round pick and he could go higher. Bills would end up getting a steal here at number 25. You move on to Tennessee at number 26. And uh, obviously there are options here. You could see him take a quarter, uh, a receiver like Jamison Williams or Jahan Dotson. Could potentially take a quarterback depending on what happens with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think they could go with an offensive tackle like Bernard Raymond uh, to line up opposite Taylor Lewan. But I think the biggest need may actually be at inside linebacker. Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown are both free agents. Could be on the way out. Zach Cunningham, yes, he started next to David Long. But... Uh, I think Cunningham could be a cap casualty given the fact that there's no dead cap if he is let go. And, you know, I think David Long is a keeper. It looks like one of the emotional leaders of the defense. So why not add the Buckus Award winner, uh, one of the most dynamic defenders in all of college football. And we know N'Kobe Dean is a three-down linebacker, flies downhill, gets out to the perimeter uh, against the run, fluid in coverage against running backs, nation's top blitzing linebacker, was also the heart and soul and clear leader of the national champs. Uh, his overall lack of size could cost him to slide a bit, but I think, you know, Tennessee has already shown with, with a pickup of, of Jayon Brown that they're not afraid to take some of those undersized linebackers, and I think N'Kobe Dean um, would really shore up things on the, the, the in the middle of that defense. Now you look at number 27, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, what, what's happening with Tom Brady, um, you know, he, he's announced his retirement, and so could they go quarterback here? I think you're still looking at a team that's in win-now mode. They have a, a roster that's ready to win. You need to bring in a veteran, um, you know, even if it's a guy like Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill. You need to get in a quarterback here with this offense, with this defense, and allow them with all the pieces that they have to continue to try to challenge for another Super Bowl. So I really don't think that that's the direction that they're going to go. I think what they target is the weak leak defensively, and that's in that secondary the past couple of seasons. Look, you know, uh, now Car uh, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, both entering free agency, back end of that defense has to be a priority. Jordan Whitehead, if he leaves in free agency, Daxton Hill could definitely garner consideration here because of his ability to cover at that safety position. But corner, I think, may actually be the bigger need because with Davis possibly being gone, Sean Murphy bunting, we already know, has proven to be best suited inside in the slot. They need an upgrade over Jamel Dean. I think that's def desperately needed as well. Andrew Booth out of Clemson, he's a ball hawk. You know, not only is he a tremendous athlete who is so smooth in his transitions, but he also attacks the ball in the air like a wideout. Plays well both on the line of scrimmage and in off coverage. Anticipating routes, reading the quarterback's eyes. Um, also isn't afraid to mix it up against the run. Sure tackler in the open field. There's no guarantee that he's going to be on the board here, but I think if he is, Tampa Bay will make that pick. Now, Green Bay here at number 28, I think they need to find some help for Kenny Clark. And uh, DeMarvin Leal makes a lot of sense here. But I think what you really need to do is, is find another receiver, whether it's for Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. Whoever's under center, Packers need to, to surround that signal caller with additional weapons on the outside. Devontae Adams, he's been arguably the best receiver in the game. There's a chance it could be a package deal with Aaron Rodgers if A-Rod leaves. Alan Lazard, he was solid. Maybe one of the best blocking receivers, but I, I think he's one of those guys who's going to be limited 
on the outside. Randall Cobb was effective in, in a short, shortened season, but again, he's getting up there in age. He's more of a, a role player in the slot. Vertical threat, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, free agent, may not be back. So I think finding a replacement there is a must. The guy that can really push the defenses down the field. The most explosive receiver in all of college football a season ago was Jamison Williams. Litnikoff Award finalist, over 1,500 yards receiving, 79 receptions. That's an average of 19.9 yards per catch, 15 touchdowns. The ACL tear in the College Football National Championship keeps him from being in consideration for that top receiver spot. But that ability to beat his man deep makes him an easy pick if he's available right here. I think he gets the nod over a guy like Jahan Dotson. I think there are too many question marks for me with Jahan Dotson for him to be the guy right here. And number 29, Miami, the Dolphins. No question that offensive line is in desperate need of an overhaul. Despite all the, the early round picks that they've used on this, this, uh, this group, Robert Hunt, we know is going to start at guard. But what about everybody else? Liam Eichenberg, he'll start maybe at left tackle, maybe at guard. You know, that's really a question mark is where he's going to step up and where he's going to fit in. I think first round, former first round pick, Austin Jackson, he struggled. I think he's running out of chances. His best chance to start may actually be inside at guard. So use this pick on the best offensive tackle available. And I think that may end up being Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. You know, another big kid, 6'6", 310 pounds. And when you look at him, he's a converted uh, tight end. 245-pound tight end. 2020 season, is a 290-pound offensive tackle. He was a former foreign exchange student from Austria. Loved soccer and, and skiing. Fell in love with the game of football. And the rest was history. This dude worked on his technique with, with legendary offensive line coach Paul Alexander. And the results, I mean... This guy was already gifted athletically. Moves well, you know, even you know, as a former tight end, put on all that size. Still moves like a tight end, very light on his feet. Um, fluid hips, natural knee bend, allows him to play with leverage and tremendous power. You know, and when you talk about the power, this is a dude, 30 reps in the bench press, very strong, very skilled. Um, you know, the hand placement has improved. I think, you know, you see him shooting those hands inside. Once he locks on, tremendous grip able to control his man there once he locks out. I think this is a guy who, he's still scratching the surface as to what we can really see. This is a guy who's relatively new to the game of football, and we've already seen the development that this guy has put forward. You get him in an NFL system, and you get an NFL offensive line coach. We've already seen what Paul Alexander's been able to do. This is a guy that we could be talking about as one of the steals of the draft, especially if he continues to progress year after year as he has been. At number 30, Kansas City Chiefs made it within an eyelash of the Super Bowl. But Joe Burrow carved up that secondary. I think they've been underperforming the last couple of seasons. I think this is the year that Kansas City really focuses on that secondary. They finished 27th in the league against the pass. Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, Armani Watts, all safeties, along with corners, Mike Hughes, Travarius Ward, they all enter free agency. So I think the Chiefs have to target the back end of that defense through the draft. Tyron Matthew, look, Pro Bowl captain, heart and soul of that Chiefs secondary. But with that contract in upwards of $14 million, it's possible that the Honey Badger could be wearing a different uniform in 2022. And so if he does leave, I think KC is going to look for his replacement next to Juan Thornhill. And Daxton Hill is the guy that I'm looking at. 
great instincts, processes the routes quickly, reads the quarterback's eyes, drives on the football, makes a play, 15 pass breakups, four interceptions in his career, ball skills absolutely on display, but equally proficient at driving downhill and wrapping up the receiver in the open field, not allowing any yards after the catch. But I think it's those cover skills that makes the stock rise to the level of a first round pick because he can line up on the outside or in the slot, likes to get physical at the line of scrimmage, jam the receiver, reroute him a little bit, and then shows pretty good hips in his transitions as well. I think he's a surefire week one starter, and uh, you know that would really help things there with KC. They'd be able to use some of that money potentially on a free agent corner. At 31, obviously the Super Bowl hasn't happened just yet, but I'm going with Cincinnati at least right now. Uh, I think protecting Joe Burrow has to be a priority. We've already seen what's happened. Uh, you know, get, giving up nine sacks to Tennessee in the wild card game, you know, that just can't happen again. Um, you know, this is an offensive line that's given up 103 sacks over the past two seasons, including 55 this past season. We know Jonah Williams is the only sure thing up front uh, playing left tackle. Um, I, I think it starts at left guard. Quentin Spain is a free agent. He may not be back. You bring in a guy like Zion Johnson out of Boston College, that makes a lot of sense. Plug-and-play type interior lineman. Likely to see that draft stock continue to rise, continuing what he's been doing there at the Senior Bowl. I think he ends up moving into round number one. Look, a three-year starter there at BC, experienced both left tackle and left guard, but I think he's expected to be a week one starter at left guard. He's a technician in pass protection, plays with quick feet, consistent hand placement and leverage, Keeps his man in front of him. Also comfortable in space in the running game. I really like Zion Johnson there to the Bengals. And then Detroit sitting there at number 32. They get that pick from the Rams and that trade um, that sent Matthew Stafford to the Rams. And uh, look, we know that Jared Goff is not the answer there in Detroit. But I think ultimately what you're going to see is uh, with Goff still under contract, you're going to see somebody come in. Um, played behind him for a season or two before taking over the reins. And like I said, I think Kenny Pickett makes a lot of sense. I don't know that Pickett's going to fall to 32, but I think Detroit package a couple of picks, move up, and get your quarterback in the future. And look, Kenny Pickett, we know he benefited from that final season at Pitt, running uh, Mark Whipple's offense, excelled with those, those anticipatory throws, tremendous job throwing his receivers open, down the field. I don't know how many times I saw him. He'd look off the safety and then the moment that his receiver was planning to make his cut to the outside or to the inside, that ball was already out and was throwing to a spot, allowing his receiver to run away and create separation from his man, really uncovering at that point and uh, making a lot of explosive plays for the Pitt Panthers. Pocket presence also uh, improved as well. Much better job manipulation while also keeping those eyes down the football field and let's not forget about his mobility and no I'm not just talking about that fake slide against Wake Forest in the ACC championship I mean which basically got that fake slide banned in college football I mean they should call it the Kenny Pickett rule Uh, but anyway um, I think he can actually move a little bit when he escapes the pocket and he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and run you over that physicality that's what Dan Campbell really likes and I, I think he's really going to fit well there for Detroit. So, I mean, ultimately, if you can get a guy who is fiery and brings that passion like Aiden Hutchinson, oh, yeah, he's a pretty darn good uh, pass rusher. And then you get your quarterback later on in round one. I think you're really setting the the cornerstones of both your offense and defense 
for the future. If I'm Dan Campbell, I try to make that happen. So that's my first round, very first mock draft. Haven't really had a chance to really dive into position by position. Although, if you go to readyforthedraft.com, you will see my updated top 10 rankings. But look, it's been been kind of a struggle over the last month or so to really put a lot of content together. So, um, you know, I, I think really going forward to honor my mom, I really want to focus on the draft, focus on putting out a lot more content, put out more of these podcasts and really start breaking things down. Let's start breaking down some positions. Let's start talking about guys that we really need to keep an eye out for at the combine. Now look, the combine isn't necessarily gonna make or break anyone. It's either gonna prove what you already saw on tape or it's gonna make you go back and watch more tape. So really what we wanna do, identify some of those guys that we're gonna be looking out for at the combine. Wanna see if what we're seeing on tape makes sense. A guy like Drake London, I compare him to Mike Evans. I think that feels right in terms of their their ability to play. Nobody really thought Mike Evans was the guy that was going to separate from anybody. Ran a 4-5-3, wound up being a guy that was taken in the top 10. I think there's a chance that if Drake London runs in that 4-5-3 range, he solidifies himself as the top wideout in this year's draft. So we'll be talking about more of those types of players, guys that when you look at him, you're like, you know what? He feels like this type of a player or there's a particular fit at the next level we'll take a look at some of the guys that are flying under the radar some guys that i think are being overly hyped and look we're right in the thick of draft season and this is one of the best times of year you've got the all-star games really your first chance to see these guys compete against one another then you've got obviously the combine free agency is on the horizon before you know it we'll be hitting the end of april and i'm really looking forward to bringing more content to you i'm getting excited about it this is, again, one of my favorite times of year. And, uh, you know, I'll be doing this to honor my mom, Nancy Shoots. May she rest in peace. I love you, mom. This one's for you, just like every podcast. So until next time, everyone, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. I got to wrap this up before I get emotional. Uh, so until next time, take care, everyone. And I am out of here.